0: Well, hello, Mr. Bermis.
1: Oh, hello, Stevie. And what a beautiful hello it is. By hello, I mean the crack of dawn.
0: (laughs) It's nine o'clock. You're such a musician.
1: Might as well be before dawn. Three o'clock in the morning, I'd be wide awake.
0: Well, we had to do this morning because of weekend plans so i thank you very much for getting up so that we could do this we could do our our rundown our rhapsody rundown
1: our subspace rhapsody sunrise rundown yes well yes i hope it's sunrise for listeners wherever they are as they hear this and they see the sun cresting over the mountains and they hear the singing of metal arcs metal arcs sure that a bird i don't know and the dew is still on the grass, and everything is beautiful. And I hope that's the case, as it is here in Brooklyn.
0: <laughs> I guess we should start the show.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna stub my toe and start the show. Let's do it. <laughs> Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. <laughs> Welcome to...
0: Was uh, that necessary?
1: Uh, it was to wake me up, basically. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Welcome to Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Today's started. It is started at 429-0803.1. And we're talking about the penultimate episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, season two, episode nine, entitled Subspace Rhapsody. A musical episode. It's
0: a musical and not amusing.
1: I found it a delight. Now, to be fair, I have very low expectations when it comes to musicals. So that's probably, I probably should have communicated that to you. But I thought they did. I thought many things were done well in this episode. If there's not a, and I tried, a single melody still in my head.
0: Do you have a single melody still in your head?
1: No, there's not. That's a, right. that's a failure of the songwriting. Indeed. However, I still love to see people sing and dance together, even if it's uh, weird 80s songs. But this is the era we live in, or the era they live in. Well, you know what was interesting? Well, we should have the, save it for the chat. Let's run it down. It's time to run it down. Mm-hmm. Can you run it down mm-hmm. for me? me mm-hmm. what just happened. Mm-hmm. Can you run Of course. Well, there's this wonderful, weird subspace jellyfish that the Enterprise is studying and they're trying to run scans on it in order to perhaps use this huge subspace anomaly to increase the rapidity of their subspace communications, which is interesting science even to begin with. But the experiment they're trying to do is eating up so much computing power that almost everything else on the ship, things that normally would be automated are having to be done much more manually. And so we find Uhura at the communications desk connecting people to all their stuff. She's like doing a switchboard operator in the 1920s. Very musical style start, very rapid voice speaking stuff. And there's things going on. I should mention all the pre, they, and I usually don't watch the previously on Strange New Worlds, but I did this time because they decided that everything should have to do about love, the various relationships either in the offing or burgeoning into existence. For example, Captain Patel is trying to get Pike to take a vacation to this place where they can do some hiking. There's a hotel and there's a museum and all this stuff. And he's like, ooh, yeah, I'd love to go on vacation, but maybe let's put this on hold for a bit. It's just a bad time just now. And Chapel is waiting for information on a fellowship. And Kirk is coming aboard to study with Una, study with. Because he's about to be young, become the youngest first officer in the fleet, and there are some gaps in his knowledge, and he thought he would learn some things from the best of the best. In any case, we find out that Chapel did get her new fellowship. This is remember she got rejected from the the other Vulcan fellowship, so she's got this new fellowship with this guy, a guy, Doctor Corby, and it's a three month fellowship. So gonna be go away for three months. Now, this is when I was like, oh. This is a bit much. You would think, she's like, I gotta tell Spock, and there's this whole thing about her and Spock and them not being in a relationship anymore. It's three months. It's like, you live in space. probably gonna go fight a Gorn and discover a world and then be back three months later. It's fine.
0: He'd been away from T'Pring for longer.
1: Yeah, it's like a summer break. (laughs) Although, I will say, experientially, most high school relationships don't make it through summer break. Summer loving anyway.
0: I'm sorry. That's very cute. I meant you, from experience, know that most high school relationships, that was cute. That was vulnerable. I applaud you.
1: Thank you. It's only been 30 years. There are 20 years since high school. I could finally talk. Now it can be told. High school relationships? Unstable. As unstable as this wormhole we're talking about. Spock and Uhura are trying to use this wormhole to communicate with other ships in the fleet, and they're having failure after failure, I think 13 attempts, but the and they're explaining to Pelio, Pelio why this is so important, because they're like, listen, it takes weeks now to send a message across the quadrant, imagine if it could happen instantaneously through this subspace rift. But nothing seems to be working, and Pelley suggests, why don't they send music through? Because of the fundamental harmonics. Perhaps it's a different kind of environment in there, and the fundamental harmonics would work better going through this environment. And so, Neota picks a song, Cole Porter's Anything Goes, from the Great American Songbook. And they send it into the subspace fold, and there's a huge reaction, and then there's a wave that moves through the ship. You know what to do. People start to feel a little strange, but nothing is absolutely out of control. Pike goes to the bridge to ask Mitchell what just hit them, and they check in with the teams around the ship, and Uhura and Spock are engineering, and when Uhura says, Spock, what's your update? Spock immediately starts singing. And then people are singing in sickbay, And they're singing On the Bridge, a song I'm... I didn't look up any of the names of the songs because I entitled them myself. This one's called Most Unusual. So Peculiar. The Enterprise is surrounded by a field and everything that is on the ship is susceptible to singing. Thus, we hit the credits. Glee Club version of the credits. Lots of... And also, in the interest of more vulnerability yeah i've been in glee clubs what do you want from me
0: what i want is a video you'll never get it we discussed this that is what i want
1: no no i'm vulnerable enough to talk about it but not to have that it out there in the world are you mad
0: i'm not mad i just think it would be sweet and endearing
1: oh it would be mortifying (laughs) and embarrassing yeah that's right i was once in a group that didn't have a name and then everyone in the group except me decided we would call it Acupella. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: uh, uh, and that did not last long. I could not stand it. And that was college.
0: I feel like you should relay this information to your Lake Street Dive bandmates.
1: Uh, you know what? I don't know why I told you. I forgot that <laughs> this goes out to an audience. I thought this was just a conversation.
0: And I can make clips.
1: No, don't do that. First of all... <laughs> Listen, if any of you out there were in acapella and there are clips before smartphones, so I don't know how you would have it, destroy them immediately. Don't let anyone know that this happened. No, no,
0: no, 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 no. If there are clips, you should get in touch with me. You can email no. us at setphasespodcast at no, 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 no. gmail.com. email com. anybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so unnecessary. <laughs> don't do it. Where was I? Please don't distract me with mortifying memories of my past that I will now continue to share.
0: You brought up
1: acapella. Well, it was a different time. You know what I mean? Okay. It was the George W. Bush era. And we had to do what we had to do to stay in the fight, to stay joyful. And if that means singing acapella songs and letting people name the group after you, I did what I had to do. Okay. Back back to our musical episode. Our hokey musical episode. So, the command crew gets together. There are reports of, quote, musical outbreaks from all decks. The song that they sent into the field created a quantum uncertainty field, which now has created a new reality, a musical reality. And enterprises tethered to said field. It's kind of like the tong-ting. I know there's a word for it on a zipper. And they're thinking maybe they could re-zip it. They would have to just connect to the field harmonics using their Heisenberg projector, which they would have to connect manually. And then they could send a zipper beam in and then go backwards and zip up this rip subspace rift. rift, subspace rift uh, la, 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 la. and then uh, no more singing. So Uhura, Uhura and Spock start working on that Uh and Spock seeing the messages uh in Uhura's sort of like to be distributed box sees that Chapel got a message from Dr. Corby and wonders if that means she got her thing and hasn't been mentioned to him yet and Uhura encourages Spock to ask Chapel as she does not check personal correspondence but Spock says that their relationship has been having communications challenges of late. Una and... Kirk connect while they're trying to do the actual manual connection of the bird protector and the field harmonics to the deflector dish or something. I, I, I don't know. I uh, There's too much. There was too much to write down. And as they're discussing how to be a best first officer, Una breaks into a song. And now this is the only song I think re- that really seems to cleave to the great American songbook style of song, the like 1940s, 50s, 60s musical Number, you sing, you talk, there's a little bit of back and forth. It's it's like got a dancing vibe to it. I very much enjoyed this, and I think, although I know already in advance, although I know that Stevie may not have enjoyed the music in this episode, I think if they had cleaved to a more classical musical thing like this first number here, it might have been a more fun there would have been more dancing and it would have been more interactive instead of going for the modern sort of pop musical. But I don't know if you think that.
0: Mm, if any of the music had been catchier, better written, fine. I just felt it. they swung for the fences and missed.
1: Well, I didn't even look up who wrote the music because, listen, they're not going to win at Tony. But it was a cute song and it's all about letting go of having a more hands-on approach with your crew. And to connect to your truth. And so they're singing and dancing. And La'an witnesses this. And Lahan has her own acts to bear regarding this. She sings a much more modern, more of a wicked-style Broadway song. And I'm sorry if I'm going to just keep whipping out Broadway references. But singing a song, I guess we could call this one Flying Blind. How would that feel? And this one, straight-up, early aughts, pop, musical, tune, lot of hot notes, lot of belting, very Moulin Rouge, if you ask me. But basically, she's just envisioning what would happen if she let everything go and was in this relationship with Kirk. And she's like, can I do it? I can't do it. Can I do it? I can't do it. And that's where Lon is at. But then she realizes after singing that song that when people sing, they're sharing their innermost feelings and thoughts. She relays this to Pike as this could be a security threat. He's like, "Ooh, I hope that's not a bad thing that actually does happen so they attempt to close the the fold the kirks are working together the rift starts to close things seem like they could be fine but then there's a huge energy surge again they get an incoming hail from the cayuga captain battel ship battel's like we should have a conversation in private but they can't get themselves into private they immediately start singing about this vacation thing and their frustration with their relationship and pike admits that he lied he doesn't want to do this vacation and he falls down on his knees singing, and La'an, realizing what's going on, cuts off the communication so that they stop singing, and they realize that the improbability field has expanded across the subspace network. Subs... I can't say subspace. The improbability field... I'll have to do a... Oh. Addiction is done with the tip of the tongue and the teeth. A little... Moses supposes his toes are Roses. That's from Singing in the Rain. The improbability field has expanded across the subspace network to flee to the entire fleet. And at least 12 ships have also have outbursts of singing. And Uhura realizes, oh, we're following the rules of musicals. When, in the course of one's life, the emotions get too intense, you have to sing. That's what happens. So Pike suggests... Blowing up the subspace fold with a full ton torpedo. Spock says it's not a terrible idea. They would just have to test it. Laan suggests isolating some subatomic particles from said field in order to test. Una says there would have to be a cross-targeting job in order to get things out of the field. A two-person job, which Kirk says, hey, you got two people right here. Laan tries to refuse the assignment. She talks to Una, and Una sings a song, the one I liked the least. And yet, I still thought it was okay. About... Not keeping a secret. This one was very wickedy to me. This was there was a lot of I should have googled who who wrote it because this had very much the wicked vibe.
0: All of the songs were written by Letters to Cleo's K Hanley and Tom Pulse.
1: Well, well, well. They did a remarkably
0: mediocre job.
1: I was gonna say unremarkable. Oh. Fair. In order to be clever. A remarkably unremarkable job. But sure, mediocre does work. So Una basically encourages La'an, hey, listen, I wish I wasn't so good at keeping secrets I've been doing it my whole life trying something new. You should maybe not become so good at keeping secrets either. Instead of dancing, they float in the air for a bit. That didn't really impress me. La'an and Kirk, they work together. They get the particles. They send them to Spock in engineering. And just as La'an is about to confess, there is an explosion in engineering. Apparently, blowing it up ain't gonna work. If they do try to blow it up, the explosion would be amplified by the subspace rift, and it would destroy all the ships that are connected to the subspace rift. And as that happens, the Klingons have also been hit because the rift is on the edge of Klingon space. Thus, they are contacted by General Garkog, who's super upset, and he's saying the Klingons are coming to fire on the fold because it is the source of their embarrassment, and they have two hours. Till they get there and the Klingons thereafter refuse hails. So they know that if they hit the field, they'll destroy all the ships in the Federation and half of the ships in the Klingon Empire. They're looking for a tactical strategy with the Klingons to maybe stop them from firing and also Pike uh, asks Uhura and Spock to figure out what can be done before the Klingons arrive so that they don't have to face this doomsday. Spock suggests studying the songs and the frequencies they make and may be able to analyze and find patterns that can break the improbability. So they need to start a song. Well, fortunately, they walk in to the lounge and they find Chapel and Ortegas and Sam Kirk toasting. Spock realizes that they must be toasting Chapel's fellowship. He wonders, Hey, why didn't you tell me about the fellowship that you have? This obviously initiates a song because the emotions are out of control. Uhura starts scanning, but she also starts singing and dancing and Chapel sings about how happy she is that she's getting the fellowship, how hard she's worked. There's a big dance summer in the lounge. It's freedom and I like it. It's probably the name of the song. She says in the lyrics, if I need to leave you, I won't fight it. I'm ready. And Spock, at the end of this tune, departs without a word. Kirk and La'an are working on a battle plan, and they seem to be coming up with some good strategies. And then Kirk wonders what it was La'an was going to mention earlier before. And then Kirk wonders what it was La'an was going to mention before there was an explosion in engineering. So La'an tells him all about the other timeline, breaking all the temporal rules, but basically just to say that, hey, there was a person there who didn't know about Nguyen Singh and didn't know that, like, that was a whole thing and could see her for herself, and she liked the way she was... Seen there and and kirk's like well do you like how i'm seen or whatever i see you and she was like yeah that's also nice too and kirk's like hey i'm not gonna lie there's a little something going on here ever since you first called me but hey i'm in a sometimes on again off again relationship with some lady named carol who's pregnant that only means something if you're in the whole canon and you know that carol's son is the one who gets killed by klingons in star trek 3 and Carol is the one who works on the Genesis machine. There's a whole, it's like the whole Khan-Kirk thing is a big messy web there. So, she's a scientist on Starbase 1. Yes, Wrath of Khan. And she's pregnant. Yes, James's son. And, oh, wow. So, things are awkward. Anyway, Uhura walks in, finds Spock, says she's Spock says he's been analyzing the data, he cannot find a pattern, and he is distracted because he didn't realize that Chapel would be so definite about ending their relationship. Spock sings his song, talk about a lovely baritone, and basically about having convinced himself that it was time to love and maybe that he needs to get back to being the Spock that he wanted to be. Boimler would be ecstatic. This song's right up my alley. They are so close to nailing it. I solve for Y in my computation, but missed vital information. The variable, so devastating. I'm the X. Everyone loves their algebra, algebra songs. Trust me. I'm a professional. He apologizes and leaves. Uhura, looking at the pattern, sings in her own Uhura song, uh, basically about Uh, being alone so much and the people in her life dying, but also that she's the one that's been able to keep people connected. Everywhere she goes, she's solo, but she'll like the path and keep us connected. She hears everyone's voice calling her name, as she did in the beginning of the episode. She strengthens the ties that bind, which is literally what the communication officer does. So no one has to be alone. Uhura sings her song, and then she sees a pattern, and she knows what the next move has to be. Whenever someone sings, the field spikes, and they need to get the spike to a certain level to break the field. But in order to get, like, the spike goes up to, like, 50 or 30 when people are singing all together, and they need it to get to, like, 350, 344, I think, precisely. So they have to get a lot of voices singing together. The, like, the whole ship, like, all 200 crew members on the ship— and Pike's like, well, that sounds like a job for the comms officer. And to inspire everyone to sing. Pike addresses the crew. He says, follow one voice, the voice of the Enterprise, Ensign Uhura. Uhura begins the big cast number. There's crew people dancing in the halls. Spock singing, even though he says he won't miss it. The refrain is, we all work together. We all work better. All together. We overcome our obstacles as one. <laughs> strange moment that I found truly strange, the choice to choreograph Mbenga and Chapel just skipping through the Mad Bay. They need more voices, they hail the Klingons, weird moment where the Klingons are basically a boy band which makes sense given the Klingons outfits, described by a close friend of mine as a cheap laugh, but I laughed about it twice. I watched it twice, and I laughed twice. So the Enterprise and the three Klingon ships are all singing together and they get to the crew of the enterprise which really honestly as an analysis of musicals that is the opening number you want to open a big musical that's your oklahoma what they ended with is the cast number. anyway it doesn't matter to me and they managed to blow up the subspace rift with their beautiful Bonhomme and singing and so Pike asks Uhura to hail the Klingons, cement some fences. Una checks in with La'an. La'an is glad she took the chance and didn't keep the secret, and maybe they should do them more often. They toast to that. Pike and Batel have dinner, and Pike admits that the vacation sounded awful, but he wanted something quieter. There's good news and bad news, Batel says, because she has a priority one mission, so they have time to plan. I wonder if that's a throw to the season finale. And there'll be no camping, she says, though, unless it comes with room service. Uhura does a a wrap-up doing her personal log. The Federation has gotten back to normal. Spock smoothed things over with the Klingons uh, by engaging in some blood-wine diplomacy, which he learned in Episode 1 of Season 2. And Pike has Uhura share info with non-Federation ships about this situation so that everyone knows. And Uhura hums, but it's just because there's a song in her head. Pike gives a look. And here endeth episode nine of season two of Star Trek Strange New World, Subspace Rhapsody. Subspace Rhapsody. Let's chat about that. I say, darling, let's do a quick chat about that. Sure. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, yeah. yes, let's do yeah. I didn't like it.
1: I understand that. I'm so sorry for you. I know. I wish that uh, it wasn't so painful. I am able to disregard bad, mediocre songwriting. So I had a great time.
0: Yeah, I've never disliked an episode of Strange New World as much as this. I've rarely not enjoyed Star Trek episodes as much as this. This was quite something.
1: I thought it moved their emotional plots along. I wrote down, it's a clever device, even though it may not have been executed well, that there's all this these hidden things and subtext that have been going on this season to have a musical, because in musicals, people cannot have subtext they, they have to sing it that becomes the loudest part of any character's roles and I thought it was cool that they used the lens of like Uhura as the as the glue that brings the ship together despite the fact that Uhura has been battling with her own fear of her legacy
0: I agree I think it worked as a plot point it certainly moved things forward if it had been done well then maybe there was an episode of another t- TV show that I watched and they had this sort of jumping the shark musical episode. And I think that the plot point that got them into it was they were doing an ayahuasca. They were doing an ayahuasca retreat. And this is what happened. They go into their like trips and they have their musical numbers, but the music was better and I didn't mind it. So that I will use that to say that I might have enjoyed this more if the music were better. I just felt so disengaged through the whole thing. The only thing that I really engaged with was poor Spock being left behind. Was he being slightly dramatic because he was only being left for three months? Yes. But I still felt for him. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Uh, sure. I think, no, I guess they did a fairly good job of making sure that happened in the alternate reality. But still, I just don't feel that was for me being like i was like okay well this is a musical so in musicals you don't really need people are like you're leaving for a week i'll sing a song about how i'll miss you so then i was like okay because normally spock would be like okay three months well okay it's may i'll see you in september can't wait we can write to each other and talk to each other over our future zoom which is pretty awesome but yes it's the fact that they felt they needed to end their relationship because of this three-month three fellowship is a bit dramatic on the part of the writers.
0: And Nurse Chapel, I felt she was very... She was a little bit harsh. She didn't really seem to care that Spock was hurt and upset. Oh, well, my she, heart. My heart broke.
1: Well, I'm glad you had a, a moment of, of pathos in this otherwise pathetic episode for you. I like seeing actors having to sing and dance, even if it looks like it's hard. Mm. And it did look, in some of these instances, like they were like, holy shit, I have to sing and dance right now? Including our beautiful lead, Anson Mount, who seemed to be like, what the fuck is this shit?
0: There were certainly a couple who didn't look as comfortable.
1: Yeah, they're like, we're singing, and I'm more of a dramatic actor, actually. I don't do frivolous step-touch singing. But, hey, like you say, they swung for the fences... This is one of those episodes that maybe when you're doing a rewatch of the whole series, you skip. But it'll be one that I scrub through till I get to the Spock song, which maybe I'll transcribe in all the free time I have to transcribe songs these days. Because I think they're on to something. And I uh, here's the other thing. The truth is, I feel like I could fix it. I could fix every song in this episode. <laughs> I'm like, if they had just not forced the rhymes here, if they had changed these chords, there was like a light motif they tried to bring throughout most of the songs and then bring into a beautiful denouement at the end, but they didn't underscore it enough and they changed it so often that it didn't really make sense and didn't really deliver on the finale. So yeah, I just had feelings that I was like, man, if you just uh, do a little editing here, a little editing there, but hey, I'm just a songwriter from New York. What do I know?
0: I think you know me
1: for the musical episode as I've been begging them to. (laughs) Hello and welcome to live on location at the loudest place on earth. Set phasers. We go immediately now to the Easter egg desk with Stevie Man. Stevie, how are you?
0: I wouldn't say this ever really had a track trope in history to compare it to so this is a standalone musical episode. First Easter egg of the episode triple the speed of subspace communications. Uhura and Spock are pumped about finding a naturally occurring subspace fold because they think it can speed up current subspace radios. A small tip of the hat to the idea that in the original series, the Enterprise was very often out of communications range of Starfleet command, meaning Kirk had to make decisions by himself.
1: And in the Mm. Next Generation
0: era, it's far more common for Picard to have real-time conversations via subspace with his superiors. And more broadly, the idea of subspace goes back to TOS and refers simply to a part of space that is separate and apart from normal space. Technically speaking, warp speed happens in subspace But faster than light, communications are also sent through subspace. And in Discovery Season 3, we learn that the Gorn destroyed parts of subspace prior to the 32nd century. And later in the episode, Spock says, with our current relay network, it takes weeks to send a message across the quadrant, which is pretty much still the case in TOS, which is in the future. Of Strange New roles, (gasps) That was a lot.
1: Wow, I forgot that the Gorn Discovery Season 3 blew up subspace. I forgot about that. Mm, Good pull. Interesting. Good pull.
0: Yes. Uhura, as a switchboard operator, was quite fun. Because the Enterprise computer is being hogged by communications connected to the subspace fold, Uhura has to do all of this. Manually, which happens a lot in the original series and in the motion picture too. Another out a nod to the outdated tech of uh, TOS era that's still very much present here because that's in the future. Oh, Roger Corby! The description that Mbenga gives Roger Corby as the Louis Pasteur of archaeological medicine. Mm. You may remember that Spock uses this exact characterization of Dr. Corby in the episode of TOS. Uh, what little girls what are little girls made of and obviously we know that Dr. Corby will eventually become Christine Chappell's fiancé before well, he disappears
1: yeah, mm-hmm.
0: which makes Spock's song I am the X all the more poignant Spock isn't just losing... I loved it yeah
1: they really it was so close to being brilliant alright
0: yeah I know I know Interestingly, we don't know who the captain of the Farragut is at this point. So Kirk comes up on board. Uh, we know that he's about to be promoted to first officer, but we don't know who captain of the Farragut is. We do know that the backstory of the 2S episode Obsession tells us younger Kirk served on that ship at this time. But confusingly, the episodes described in Obsession take place either at the very end of the Klingon war or snap, smack dab in the middle of it. So it's possible that Strange New Worlds is messing with the timeline a little bit, which they don't tend to do. And we're supposed to believe that Garavik is still in command and Captain Garavik was captain of the Farragut at some point. So it's just it's I, I'm just curious about what they're tap dancing around here and who the captain of the Farragut should is or is going to be if we're going to find that out or if it matters not at all.
1: Oh, very
0: Shakespeare, how mm, lovely. If it matters not a jot. <laughs> oh, for it matters not at all. Indeed. Sorry. Gilbert and Sullivan, in the song Connect to your Truth, number one makes reference to Gilbert and Sullivan. You may remember that from the Short Treks episode Q&A in which she and Spock sang, I am the very model of a very, oh, fuck. I'm the very model <laughs> of a modern major general. You got it. Thank you. While stranded in the turbo lift. Accidentally, Michael Shabon penned that episode and also referenced the TNG classic Disaster, in which Crusher had Geordie saying the same song. Mm-hmm. So, fun little connection there. Um, I do
1: possess the entire catalogue of Gilbert and Sullivan on CD oh, okay. behind me.
0: This is a little interesting nod here. So, Laan calls Kirk Jim, which is what the alternative universe Kirk asked her to call him in Tomorrow, Tomorrow, and Tomorrow. Of mm-hmm. course, though, throughout Trek canon, we know Kirk himself prefers Jim to James. But weirdly, almost everyone in strange nuances called him James, except on mm-hmm. who is calling him Jim. So hmm, just wondering where that might go, if it goes anywhere at all.
1: That's right. He's not cool enough to be a Jim yet. No, He's no, cool. No. He's yes. just not that cool.
0: Did we, I don't think you touched on the fact that Bruce Horak was a Klingon captain. So when Bruce Horak was killed off as Hemmer they did say, the producers and directors did say that, sorry, the showrunners said that Bruce Horak would be back. He would not leave Strange New Worlds forever and he has so far appeared I think two or three times already. So, but this time for the first time as a Klingon which was quite, that was what I would say was possibly my favourite moment. La'an had a couple of good lines. We talked about Carol Marcus, a big nod to The Wrath of Khan there. not going to labour that point because big feelings the, the idea that spock has emotions that are more intense than regular human emotions established w- way back in tos episodes like the naked time a mock time and all our yesterdays but the fact that Falk, spock says fuck the fact that spock says i feel things differently Bigger is one hundred percent a huge part of his entire arc in the classic film, starting with the motion picture when he fails to purge all of his emotions in the colonar. And interestingly, you could say that in a sense this episode also sets up the naked time. Because Chapel is breaking things off with Spock, this in theory could lead Spock to be colder with her when she returns to the Enterprise in the time of the original series.
1: Indeed, to be more composed and more Vulcan like when she returns. Indeed. Yes strength. is back to you in the studio. Thank you very much. We go now to Quotable Moments.
0: Quotable Moments.
1: Listen, it's all flippin' musical, so there's quotes for days, but I picked three. I thought Spock's line, I see her logic, and yet, I am hurt. I am left behind. That, hey, let that be a mantra for us all. This all makes me so uncomfortable I want to let go and be vulnerable. This is a let's, let's. I listen. I don't have an ulterior motive here. I'm not hoping that they call me for their next musical thing. But I could have made that rhyme work better. And but I liked the gist of it. And uh, that's really it. Actually, I liked that Pike tells him, "Like you got to find new data. You're applying old rules to a new reality," which I thought is just a good thing, a good Pike style thing to say. He's like, "Solve this problem. I don't know exactly how, but I'll tell you the basic." directive is new reality you need new plan to do it i have two give me
0: all right they're both laan great they're in the ready room and they're discussing what's happening and laan says reports of musical outbursts have come in from old X. musical love outbursts love
1: mm-hmm. that <clears throat> that's how laan would think of them yes
0: yeah when they were discussing the problem she said more improbability or will we will we just suddenly poof into bunnies i just it's thought beautiful. she delivered those two lines so wonderfully
1: Mm-hmm. just her full disdain for this whole situation
0: which interestingly mirrored my own
1: hello look at that you found another way in to this episode you and La'an you and Spock Ah, chiar scuro. let's move on to next time <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't know you spoke Italian next time
1: on set phasers if it has to do with drama then I know the word Next time on Set Phasers, we'll be discussing
0: <laughs> the final episode, finale. the final episode,
1: the finale. Uh, it is entitled "The Hegemony," which sounds terrifying. You think? I, I
0: wasn't sure if it was the hegemony, like hegemony. matrimony. I think it's I common know. to
1: say hegemony. I don't even I don't know what know. the word
0: is. I thought it was made up. I thought it was a trek made up word.
1: Oh. Hegemony hegemony, it's like it's like a dictatorship. It's like a Ruth, not ruthless necessarily like fascism hegemony is just like total power yeah so please join us for that and if you enjoyed this episode and you can't wait until next week to hear about that episode we have tons of back episodes that you could check out so please do go to wherever you get your podcast from and listen to us talk about star trek dang it
0: Absolutely. And do follow us on all of the things. I might even just post a little clip of Archie. do Why would you? His, because this is who I am and what I do. I might not. We'll see. You'll just have to follow us and find out.
1: Deck I just now punk. I know I have several days to go find everyone who was in that group and <laughs> swear them to secrecy in a blood oath.
0: Alright, fine. Well, until next time in our season finale, I am Stevie Manns. And
1: I doubt we will be bunnies, but we may not be done with singing. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast.
0: Computer. and program.
1: Oh, you can't see them. They're on screen. Okay. Oh, my God.